From Relay FM, this is Analog episode 34. Analog is brought to you this week by three lovely sponsors One Password from AgileBits that puts passwords in their place, Hover, Simplified Domain Management, and Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. Uh, my name is Stephen Hackett. I'm not Mike Hurley. I'm like a Southern version of Mike a little bit, but uh, it's not about me, Casey. It's about you. It's not me. It's you. That's not true at all. You sound very different, Mike. Are you know, sure I, you're I, not I, Mike? I have a cold, <laughs> which no, makes it, me say Southern things. Yay! It's uh, <laughs> it's great to have you here, uh, Mike Stephen Stephen. Um, yes. I, I'm very happy to have you, and it is very kind of you to sit in for Mike. Uh, our dear friend Mike is over in Ireland uh, at the Oil Conference, making me completely miserable because yep. I miss not only him, but I'm missing the conference, and that's very sad. Um, and I probably speak for Stephen in saying that. But it is very kind of you to sit in with us today, sir. I appreciate it. No, I'm I'm glad to be back. I was actually on uh, episode five. That's right. It's arguably arguably the best episode of Analog to date. And I'm I'm not blowing smoke. I really mean that. I think it was, um, if not the best, then certainly the most feels came out of that episode than I think any of the ones that we've done. So we can we can follow up on episode five now. Oh, excellent! I, I don't twenty nine personally... <laughs> episodes later. Uh, I, I don't personally have any, but if you have some, please feel free. Going into that episode, it, it was kind of the show I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to do like the cancer episode. Mm, mm-hmm. And if you haven't listened to it, like I know, like oh, you two are the guys on it, but you should listen to it. I think it's I think it's really something special that we did. And uh, I got a lot of I got a lot of email from that yeah Uh, just i mean like listeners who had been through similar things and you know with a parent or themselves and it was just really like a special way to connect to people that you know i think only podcasting can do and we're gonna get into it but you know i've written a lot about it but it's uh it's very different to talk about it with friends and like i had told like during that episode i totally had blacked out that it wasn't just the three of us on a phone call and i think that's one reason it was it was so good because you get self-conscious sometimes i do at least like recording a show like um I'm sure you've had this thought, like you, when you realize your podcast would like more than fill up a a stadium. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. You're like, oh, oh my god, you know. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, so we're here. Yeah, we're here together. Yeah, we are here together, back together again. And uh, I, I would definitely echo what you were saying. Um, it, it's funny because I think if we were physically in the same location when we recorded episode five. I genuinely think we would have group hugged and then and then ugly cried together afterwards. And yeah. I think the only reason any of us didn't was because we didn't have to look at each other. And I and and, <laughs> and if I had seen like the 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 look in in your eyes and in Mike's eyes, I, obviously I'm saying this with kind of a smile on my face, but I do mean it. I really think the three of us would have just ugly cried for ten minutes afterwards. And and that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I hooked my cardboard Casey cut out that night. So. <laughs> I'm glad. Oh, that's delightful. it's weird. My my. my children are very confused by why is the two-dimensional man here with the funky hair and the weird smile but uh all right so we have a little bit of other follow-up very little actually um last episode i had talked for probably the 95th time about how i still have a little bit of latent guilt regarding how i became a podcaster and how i've kind of cheated my way into into this clique of internet friends that have become real life friends and um i've gotten a lot i've gotten this feedback before but I hadn't heard anyone say this to me in a while, and in, somebody emailed, Matt Rocksteady from Twitter actually emailed and, and wrote something, and it's just a few sentences, but I think it really, really eloquently summarizes 
the way I should be thinking about this. And so Matt said, I felt compelled to let you know that I first ran into ATP randomly a little over a year ago and had zero context for any of you three. And I have never felt like you don't belong. In fact, I didn't realize you were the quote, small quote guy in that conversation until you mentioned it and eventually figuring out Marco made Instapaper and John does the R's OS 10 reviews. All three of you have had equal footing in my eyes during those early episodes I listened to because I had no concept of the social quote hierarchy quote of uh, for the Apple pundit community at the time. I think that will happen more and more as the audience expands beyond the niche Apple community. And so thanks, Matt. That was a that was a pep talk I needed, I think. And and it, it's funny because I forget that that's the case. I forget that there are people in our community that haven't heard ATP. And I forget there, there are people in the community that have heard ATP, but had no idea that that Marco and John were kind of the heavyweights uh, of that show. Hmm. So it's something I think I need to remember and, and be a little less down on myself about. Yeah, you know, I came to ATP uh, having listened to Hypercritical and Build and Analyze and following both John and Marco for a long time. And uh, I never felt that it was weird that this Casey guy was here. You know, one of, one of the great things about this medium, um, I know that like my take on it is weird because <laughs> I own Relay uh, <laughs> along with Mike, but it's one of those things that, you know, you can blog for a long time and not get a lot of attention, but, but podcasting, if you have something interesting to say and your voice is unique, which, you know, Casey, yours definitely is that, you know, you bring insight to that show because you don't work on the Apple stack all day. Right, right. You know, you work, you work for Microsoft, <laughs> well, not for Microsoft, but on, you know, on their platform. And, uh, I, I have that, those are the, the best conversations to me on ATP when you come at it from, Hey, you know, this is what, this other side is doing. And, um, so I, I never looked at ATP and was like, you know, who the hell is Casey? That, you know, <laughs> while, while it's sort of a funny joke, like in our, in our Slack, it's, it's definitely nothing I've ever thought seriously. So right. I, I like this, uh, I like this follow-up. Oh, well, I appreciate it. It's That's good. very kind of you. It's only one piece of follow-up. What sort of show is I this? know. Well, to be honest, usually I'm the diva of the show title, and uh, Mike is the one that does a lot of the legwork. And uh, since Mike isn't around this week, I've had to whip together a little bit of follow-up. And I have found a couple of Relay Your Feels. But before we get there, I feel like there's someone cool we should talk about. Yes. This episode of Analog is brought to you by one password from the fine people at Agile Bits. For everyone listening to this show, one uh, password is an essential piece of software. You know, I, I live in one password. In the digital world that we all live in, uh, it's super easy to use the same password over and over or really simple passwords. Turns out, Bad idea. Sites get compromised. People get hacked. Bad stuff happens. But a good 1Password user doesn't have to worry about it. 1Password is an application available for the Mac, iOS, Android, and even Windows, even those guys, that will help <laughs> you create super strong passwords and keep them safe for you. They're all stored in an encrypted file on your device that you can sync via Dropbox or iCloud or even locally over Wi-Fi sync. And this means that you have all your passwords wherever you go. The only way in is to know your secret master password, which, by the way, is not stored anywhere, just in your brain. So you have your very clever one password, one master password to get you in to all of your others. Now, one password will save you a ton of time uh, online, even if it were simple, but again, terribly insecure to type a bunch of numbers in for your password. You're still typing a password. One password offers one click logins and they're simply the best uh, you can even create a password with just a click of a mouse on a, on a new web form. Now, they've just enabled time-based one-time passwords uh, in iOS and Windows. 
uh, with Mac and Android coming soon. And what this means, it's it's an extra layer to two-step security that more services are employing. Uh, 1Password is really on top of, of what's going on in the security arena. It's really great. Um, like we said, there's also a fancy new login creator, which is in the new version of uh, the iOS app, which was just updated the other day. It supports hundreds of the most popular sites to make it incredibly simple to add your existing logins or to create new ones with unique, strong passwords. If you're not a 1Password user yet, you should change this right away. Go visit agilebits.com slash 1Password to find out more, and you can find 1Password on the app store of your choice. Thank you so much to AgileBits and 1Password for supporting this episode of Analog and all of Relay FM. Yeah, you really got to get that. And what's wonderful about 1Password, I've been a user for years now, um, what's wonderful about it is thanks to iOS 8 and uh, extensions, it's a lot less fiddly to use it in Safari on the iPhone and the iPad than it used to be. It's it's actually pretty pleasurable to use now. And I've always avoided forcing Aaron or other family members to use it because as my, they made it as good as they possibly could, but Apple didn't really give them the tools to make it really easy. And now Apple has provided the tools to make it really easy. And you bet it, you bet that Agile Bits has come through and done exactly that. So seriously, if you're not using 1Password, then definitely get on that because it is wonderful. Agreed. Shall we relay our feels? Let's relay some feels. And I quickly gleaned uh, the document and tried to grab a couple that I thought you would have some pertinent in, in, insight into because a couple of them were like super specific to Mike's you know, world or my world. And the first one that I found, which I thought would be kind of adorable to uh, to hear our stories is, um, and I, shoot, I can't attribute this. So while you're telling me the story, I'll figure out who sent this, sent this in. But somebody asked, how did you meet your significant other? Well, Mike invited me on a podcast. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yeah. So, so my wife, Mary, and I actually met when we were 16. Uh, we had a, a high school job together. And what was the job? Uh, so it was at a sports complex of all things, and they had like birthday parties on the weekends for like trampolines and like a foam pit, sort of like obstacle course birthday stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually like the weekend manager, so I got to set the schedule, and I definitely used that <laughs> to my advantage for like all of a sudden Mary was working a lot of birthday parties with me. And uh, funny so how we, that is. So we didn't go to school together; had a bunch of mutual friends. That's how she had gotten the job was through a, a mutual friend who would end up being my college roommate. And uh, we sort of started dating very quickly. We weren't really friends first. We kind of became friends in our dating relationship and uh, then uh, got engaged and were married at at 21. So both from here, never left. We went to college together. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I've I've married my only girlfriend, (laughs) Uh, which is awesome. There's no drama or anything. And uh, I figured I could only only ever, uh, you know, trick one woman to <laughs> that I'm worthwhile. So uh I know that feeling. So yeah. Oh, uh, that's school. awesome. Um and that was sent in by Mark underscore Justin on Twitter. I apologize I didn't have that handy earlier. Um so Aaron and I met through a mutual friend of ours. Um this was someone that I went to college with and Aaron went to high school with and he was coming down from Washington DC to Charlottesville, Virginia, where um I was living at the time. And he had said to me, hey, I have a couple of friends from high school that are actually students at the University of Virginia, which is in Charlottesville. And so if you'd like, you know, maybe the four of us can just meet up for dinner. And so, oh, sure, why not? I didn't really know anyone at the time. I just moved there a couple months prior. 
And it turns out one of these uh, women was Aaron. And so we had met up at an Applebee's because that's super romantic, the four of us. But granted, at this point, it wasn't designed to be romantic. And uh, we met up at an Applebee's and we had dinner. And then the other girl, Jess, had to go. And Aaron and our friend Ben and myself uh, went over to her apartment for a minute to chill. And then we went out and got frozen yogurt. And then I felt deathly ill afterwards. And so I was like, oh, I got to go. And the way I like to tell the story is that some some subconscious part of my body knew I had just met my wife and was freaking out. But the reality was I probably just ate something terrible. Yeah. And so so <laughs> I, anyway. I can top the bad restaurant though. Our first date, I sort of tricked her and a friend going out with me and a friend. And uh, we went to CeCe's Pizza, which I'm not sure if you have CeCe's where you are. Oh, we do. And I love CeCe's Pizza, which given my love for Velveeta should surprise absolutely no one. No, no. CeCe's like, it's like depression pizza. Like sometimes you really got to go <laughs> and like hit the, uh, hit the buffet. Uh, yeah. So it was like CeCe's Pizza. And then, uh, so I think our first real date was like Starbucks. And then I found out she didn't drink coffee. And so like <laughs> she had like a, like a glass of water and I had a cup of coffee and stammered my way through an evening of, of talking. Nice. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really funny in hindsight. Like, uh, you know, it was like, Hey, you know, this girl's cool. And, and then, you know, uh, of course the universe puts things together and before you know it, you have a mortgage and three kids and a cat. So, <laughs> you know, it's so true. And Aaron and I've talked about this a lot lately. Um, it's funny because on the one side, and this is so cliche to say, but on the one side, I feel like us meeting and then the following day, we ended up having our first real date at the International House of Pancakes, which is equally super delightful, uh, same same caliber as CeCe's. But anyway, um, that th- that first date and when we were initially courting each other and, and first started dating, that was 2005. So that was 10 years ago. But it feels like yesterday. And yet, if you look at where we are in life and where we are with each other, it feels like 13 lifetimes ago. And it's especially different for us because we don't live in the same town where we met. I mean, Charlottesville is just an hour west of where we are, but it's still not where we are every day. And so that has to be maybe both easier and weirder for you guys to still be in Memphis. Do you do you find that you go to like old stomping grounds periodically, or are you still in the old stomping grounds? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we live about 15 minutes uh, so we, we lived in the suburb and now we live in the city itself. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we're 15 minutes from our parents and, you know, occasionally we'll go, uh, you know, we did the Waffle House thing for a long time and occasionally I'll, uh, you know, we'll go and, and, and grab a waffle or something. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice because you do have those like sentimental, uh, places. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for, for us, a big part of that is our university campus where, you know, uh, we got to spend a lot more time together than than in high school, and that's really you know we got engaged in college, and that was really kind of where our relationship really sort of formed in a meaningful way. And um, so yeah, it's 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 nice to to revisit those things. A, a little weird sometimes, like you, you end up going to a Starbucks, like oh yeah, we had a date here, you know, ten years ago or something. <laughs> um, but it, it, there was a lot of upside to that as well, especially with a family. It's it's nice having parents and everybody right here in town. So uh, it's usually worth the weirdness. Yeah. Now, have you ever taken your kids to like some of the places that are significant to your and Mary's relationship and been like, oh, this is where we met or whatever the case may be? 
not not a, not a ton. I think part of that is that they're still you know pretty young. The oldest is only six. Um, although I think I think he and and our daughter would definitely get it now. Uh, it's a good idea. We should we should do more of that. I mean, we've we've told them you know like if we go to the zoo as a family, it's like you know hey we used to come take walks here or um, and they know that you know Mary and I go out on dates. Uh, we try to do that about once a month and. Uh, so, you know, they, they, they're aware that, you know, we have a, a relationship outside of them, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Uh, I thought that was a delightful story. So thanks, Mark, Justin. Um, the other Relay Your Feels, which I think we're going to kind of uh, segue this into a full bore topic, is um, with regard to me saying uh, last week about how I'm not really sure if I should be writing about anything other than Apple stuff. And, you know, I, I certainly get most of my traffic from Apple related things or technology related things for sure. Um, and, and I was just, you know, pondering out loud, well, she, should I really talk about these other things? Now, as it turns out earlier today, I linked to a post about a, a mom who had lost one of her identical twins shortly after birth, um, because of anencephaly. Um, and she had donated most of that, that baby's organs for research. And several years later went and chased down what happened to these organs, not in the creepy stalker way, but in the happy, um, you know, I, I, I want to see what good I've done way. Mm-hmm. And it was a fascinating story and it's really worth reading. Um, although a little bit of a tearjerker. And so obviously I'm still posting about things that aren't tech related, but, uh, GF Morris wrote in, if you're not writing about what you care about, few others will be you with, you do it for 10,000 visitors or 10 million. And I think especially for you, Stephen, this is an extremely awesome question to, to, or maybe it's more of a statement, but you know, topic to talk about, because obviously you talk a lot, or maybe not a lot, but periodically about uh, your son's struggle with cancer and how that affects the entire family. And so, let me start with the more broad question to you: of Do you ever doubt writing about cancer? Do you ever like avoid it, or do you just embrace it and go whole hog? I think it's somewhere in the middle, and I think as he's gotten older, and as as my site. 512 pixels has become more popular over the years. I definitely have a little more pause about it. I would say that's definitely most true on Twitter. There are definitely things that I, I would have tweeted four or five years ago that I won't now uh, because my follower, you know, my followership is is bigger than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know really what quite causes that. I think the part of it is privacy. I think part of it is, um, you know, when I had 200 followers, I knew who they all were. So I knew that I was sharing with sort of an intimate group. And sure. now that number is much bigger than 200, you know, you lose some of that that intimacy. But at the same time, I think I have a perspective and I have things to say that are unique because of my situation. Uh, same same as, you know, what you and, and Aaron have been through. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is, is uh, I think the people who were not hip to that on my site are probably long gone by now. <laughs> because I've been doing it for so long. Um, and 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 part of it is that I write it for me, that I, I write it as a way to process what I'm thinking about and, you know, what I'm feeling and, and what's going on. And, you know, there's posts that may just end up in day one that may have been on 512 a couple years ago. And then sometimes I sit down and, and explicitly write, you know, for the site saying, you know, hey, I'm going to share this with, with the the readers of 512. And so it's just, it's kind of all over the map. Like I don't have a real guidepost of like what I feel is, you know, appropriate or not, or, or proper or not to share. But if it, if it kind of weighs on me and I feel like I need to, you know, get it off my chest, then I'll, I'll usually move forward with it. You know, it's funny. I didn't think of it this way until I heard you talking, but I stress a lot 
before I publish the post as to whether or not anyone's going to care. Am I drowning people with something that's kind of depressing a little bit? Um, but inevitably, every time I post, whether or not I get any feedback that's like, yeah, that was really great. As soon as I post, I feel maybe not proud isn't the right word, but I feel kind of relieved. I don't think that's the right word either, but you you, you know what I mean? Like, I feel good that that I posted it. You get a little dopamine hit every time you hit publish or whatever you do in your crazy homemade CMS, uh, (laughs) whenever you run your, uh, your, uh, write command. Um, yeah, I, I get that. And I definitely enjoyed that a lot in the past, you know, in college, I worked at our, at our college paper and we put out a paper every day. So I got that little hit every day of like, Hey, something I made is, you know, thousands and thousands of people are enjoying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I definitely have been in that, in that space as well, right. Where the things all written up, the markdown all works. And I'm just sort of like, uh, hovering over the publish button or, you know, get up and, and go walk right. around and then, you know, hit the publish button as I, as I run past my laptop, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like, Oh, did it go? Uh, it's out of my control. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think heading back to the, the question itself, um, I think the heart of it is that people, you know, there's, there's a lot of places people can go read Apple news. Right. And uh, that's one reason I've actually backed away from doing a lot of Apple news, like hardcore news on my site. Um, but I think people read me and I think people read you and, you know, people, you know, like, like our friends, um, because of their voice and because of their unique perspective, you know, in the Apple world, mine is that I'm an old man and like old Apple stuff. And I worked for them for a long time and have what I hope is insight into to how they run their operations in retail. Mm-hmm. Um, where your perspective to Apple is, you know, you're uh, where I think we're gonna get into this too. You're a newer uh, convert to the, the Apple cult, but, <laughs> uh, and you don't, you know, you, you work on a Mac during the day, but you are much more familiar with Microsoft than a lot of us. Um, where someone like Mike has a a third unique perspective of, you know, Mike is, at least on our show, the the consumer user in many ways. And he brings a he brings a reasoning to our show uh that Federico and I don't have because he and I are like so far into left field with, with what interests us. So if people come to you to read your voice and to read your unique insight into something then it just goes to follow that they would want to hear that voice and and hear that insight about other things. And so um, if they don't, then, you know, kind of forget them. Yeah, yeah. no, you're, <laughs> you're exactly right. And, and I received a few pieces of feedback that kind of said similar stuff. And, and a lot of feedback that I got in general uh, after last week's episode was, you know what, I came to you for the Apple stuff. But I stay because of all the other things that that you find interesting, because I end up finding a lot of them interesting, too. Maybe for some people, that's car-related things, and maybe they don't care about the infertility-related things. Uh, Maybe for some people, that's cars and and not infertility, or vice versa, whatever the case may be. But one way or the other, it's, it's painting a more complete picture of me. Obviously, it's not all of me, but a more complete picture of me. Exactly. And and I think people really seem to respond to that. And and I think one of the great things about this show, about your blog, about my blog, hopefully, is that they are complete pictures of people, even the stuff that isn't necessarily delightful. Like, you know, your posts about Josiah, well, a lot of them are happy. Certainly not everyone is depressing, but I mean, I think we can both agree that some of them are really sad and it's not your fault. I mean, it's just, it's the hand you've been dealt. Cancer is sad. <laughs> yeah. Cancer's not exactly exciting and happy. So, you know, I think getting, getting that, 
gives me a more complete picture of you. Now I'm lucky enough to have a personal relationship with you, but you know, before you and I knew each other, I, I read the site and I would, and I could see a more complete picture of you. And, and I think that that's a valuable thing. And I think that it's, it's maybe not rare, but a comparatively rare thing in the ecosystem in which we kind of trade and do business and that not a lot of people have put that much of themselves out there like, like you do. And like I try to, and, and, you know, Marco has certainly written a lot of these sorts of things in the past. And, and I think that's really special. And I think it's something to be proud of, even if you're, you or I hesitate quite a bit before posting something. Right. I like that uh, a lot. The idea of showing the complete person, you know, I don't, I don't show categories on my site anymore. I I used to, but I, I still keep them on the back end. And there's lots of technology companies in there. There's journalism because I do like to write about uh, the the industry of news and how news gets made. As my my education uh, is in journalism, uh, Lego, you know, all sorts of things. And and uh, like I'm a huge space nerd. Like I have a NASA bumper, like meatball. There, there, what they call their logo. Uh, the fact that I know that shows you that I'm a space nerd. Um, <laughs> but I have that as my only bumper sticker on my new car. Like the only bumper sticker on that car is a NASA logo. Um, and so I write about that. And and the way I see it is, you know, there's definitely things that I write that's not going to interest everybody. But I think over time, as the site has grown, I think the the type of reader I have has evolved. And it's, it's more the people interested in... Um, sounds terrible, but more interested in me and what I have to say and not, uh, I'm, I'm reading five twelve for like breaking Apple news because I've stopped doing that for the most part. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, when I did that, I had a big drop in traffic. Um, I mean, I made a conscious decision one day of like, you know what, like, I'm not just going to post to Macworld or Mac rumors every time they post something. Um, I sort of have unwritten role. I don't link to much that, that daring fireball links to because people are going to read that there. Um, and when I made that decision, I saw traffic fall. Um, but what has happened since then is traffic has climbed back over to where it was then. And the the engagement that I have, the people who email me or, or, or tweet back to the site account or sign up for my newsletter or whatever, um, I feel like they're much more engaged than just the flyby, uh, what's the latest uh, you know iPhone rumor. And, and to me, at the end of the day, that's more valuable. Um, but you know, I, I do I do want to talk about the the business side of all this stuff, right? Because you know, sites cost money and and potentially can make money, and that's definitely I think part of this question, right? Like, sure, is that what you were kind of kind of getting to a, a little bit? Yeah, in part, and it's funny because privately, you and I a few weeks ago spoke about the business side of this because I had asked you kind of out of the blue. Hey, so um, what do your numbers look like these days? Because I was wondering, you know. How how are you doing in? Oh, well, I'm going to finish the sentence, but I already don't like it. How are you doing in comparison to me? And that's a crummy way of looking at it. But just how much traffic does your site get? Because you are selling sponsorships for it, and and you are at least getting enough traffic to justify sponsorships. And so, am I? You know, twenty uh, regular you know, RSS subscribers a week or RSS subscribers away from that? Am I two hundred? Am I two thousand? Am I twenty thousand? And as it turns out, I'm pretty far away from it, and that's fine. But I was just curious, you know, could I could I make money off of off of my site? And and maybe I could, but but certainly not. Or it doesn't seem it could be by way of you know RSS sponsorships or anything like that. But it's got to be interesting for you to kind of balance that and try to figure out 
you know, can I sell sponsorships? How much should they be? Um, you know, how often should I do it, et cetera? Like, well, how do, how do you handle all that? Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of trial and error. You know, I had RSS subs for sale, uh, or RSS, you know, uh, post sponsorships, whatever for sale for a long time before I sold any. And then I have, I'm part of a group that, you know, sells them in bulk. And sometimes I run their ads if they sell them. And most, I would say probably 80% of them are ones I sell myself. Um, What's nice is that that five twelves income is a luxury for me. So if if I don't sell an RSS ad, or like in September I didn't run any ads and instead uh, raised money for St Jude and we raised over like ten grand, which was just amazing. Um, so I, I get to experiment with it a little bit, and it was slow, and I, I don't sell out hardly any month, but I, I don't have to. Um, and you know, there's there's sponsors. I turned a sponsor away the other day. They they wanted to, to do an RSS spot, and I didn't feel like it was a good fit. Um, I think the key thing in like bringing advertising to a creative work is that you respect your audience with it. You know, we are very careful with that at Relay in particular. Um, you know, an, an RSS ad in your, in your, you know, open up feed wrangler and there's a hundred things and I have one ad in there. You might not even see it. You, you're probably not going to click on it. Um, and it, it, it'll be on the top of my site for, you know, a day or so, and then it's going to get bumped down and then it's just going to kind of, you know, drift into the archive. But I, you know, for me, it's, it's being appropriate with it. And, uh, yeah, you know, it makes some money. You can go look on the sponsorship page and do the math and figure out how much my site makes a month. But, uh, it's, it's something that I, you know, I don't rely on, but it is, it is nice to have, right. It is nice to be, <laughs> to have a little money come in for, for work you do. Yeah. Cause even if you only sold one sponsorship a month, I mean, that's still a couple of dinners out. I got, well, you have 13 kids. So maybe it's only one dinner out, but you get what I'm driving at is, you know, yeah. that's a dinner out that maybe you wouldn't have not that you couldn't afford, but you wouldn't have just had the free money for otherwise. Right. right. And you know, it's, and it, it, the site more than pays for itself. And that's all I ask of it. You know, um, you know, a lot of that is because it's on uh, Squarespace, which is a sponsor and they're <laughs> incredibly affordable. I don't divide all my time on the side of like, I spent one hour on five twelve. I spent two hours on relay. I don't build those companies or, or those properties that way. Right. But, um, it is nice, but you got to do it at the right time. And I, I didn't run ads for a long time. I mean, you got to remember, 512 is going to be seven years old this fall. God, is, is it that much? Yeah, because it, it, I started it uh, right before Josiah was born, and he'll be seven in uh, in November. Um, it it was three, four years. And, you know, people look at podcasting, and, you know, people approach us and, like, hey, I want to ads on my show. And it's like, well, you forget, Mike and I have been doing shows together for three years. Mike's been doing shows for four Uh if if not longer and these things take time it takes time to get momentum and it takes time to sort of figure out what you're doing right like like what we talked about a second ago about what you cover it takes time to sort of figure out what a property is yeah yeah it's funny because you gave me some of that same advice very in a very gentle and polite way you basically said hey if you want to make money off your blog it's probably doable but you got like 2 3 years ahead of you before you get to that point that's just the way the the market is, you know. Uh, it it takes time to to be a podcast big enough to sell spots against. It takes time, um, you know. To not not everybody can walk in the door with a big pre built audience. You know, Mike and I and shows we do on Relay are are there now because because of the network and because a lot of the shows are really big. But starting out, as you know, like uh, I tell you, Mike and I had a show called Ungenius. Maybe hundreds of people listen to, if that. I mean, there. I'm sure there's episodes that were double-digit downloads, and we did it because we loved it, and we did it because it was an experiment. And a lot of things Mike and I learned in that show. I think same thing with you guys with Neutral mm-hmm. went on to impact the way you you handle things now. 
And so uh, always looking towards the future about what you can do better, what you can change. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. All right, uh, let's talk about something else that's awesome. And then uh, we got to talk about when things go bad. I like it. Uh, so our second sponsor this week, are the lovely human beings at Hover. No matter how you pronounce it, Hover is the best <laughs> way to buy and manage domain names. It's been my place of choice and has been for many years. Uh, all of my domains are there. I actually have a story in a second uh, about their valet service. It's just great. When you have an idea for a project, naming can be difficult. I can tell you Mike and I went round and round at what to name Relay. Uh, once you get that name, that idea can live or die by the domain names you can find. Relay has a, uh, a unique one-word domain that's hard to get that's hard to get that's hard to do uh hover gives you a great they have this great search field you can go and throw in some throw in some terms it'll come up with related domains maybe it'll suggest something you didn't even think of and when you're ready to buy it's simple fast and hassle free you know if you if you buy domains from some of those other guys you see thousands of screens tons of add-ons and high prices i just want to get in select what i need and get out and hover gives you those tools they have lots of TLDs. You know, there are all these crazy TLDs now. Uh, there's over 200 of them at Hover. But if you want the standard oldfashioned.com, they start at just $12.99, which includes uh, who is privacy for free. So someone looks you up, they're not going to get your home address from your domain record. They believe that you shouldn't have to pay to keep your private information private. And I, I really respect that. Hover has fantastic customer support. They have a no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support policy. You ring them up, you're going to get somebody on the phone who can help you. I actually just walked a uh, a consulting client through. They had domains scattered across multiple services. Their name servers were somewhere else. I called up Hover. I gave them the login information and used their valet service where they took care of all of the hassle of switching from my current provider. They brought over my DNS record so nothing broke, nothing mail didn't go down. And it was, it was really was just great. You know, I know how to do all that, but I was busy. Hover really took care of it for me. Uh, and this is free. I did it with just a handful of domains and it was absolutely free. It's really as good as they say. Uh, Hover has so much more great stuff. You should go check them out. Volume discounts, bulk domain renewal, custom email addresses, storage forwarding, and so much more. So go to hover.com and try them out. Uh, you want to use the code ALBATROSS pretty good albatross at checkout <laughs> that's fantastic and, and you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for analog thank you to hover for sponsoring this episode and all of relay fm solid sponsors this week i tell you so good so what i wanted to talk about was what happens when something you really really like kind of takes a turn for the worst and or worse whatever the grammar nazis will come get me but anyway um <laughs> when, when do you quit something that you used to love and i'm not talking about like a marriage or anything like that i'm talking about wow you know, i'm, I'm saying like heavy. yeah that, got, that, got, that escalated quickly uh now what happens when something that you really love like a sports team or media turns to crap and this this came to mind because my favorite tv show in the entire world top gear um one of the hosts got fired recently or, or his contract won't be extended anyway and whether or not you like this particular host th that's irrelevant the point is the show is going to change that's without question it's going to happen and so it made me think you know what would happen what what would make me decide you know what i just i can't watch top gear anymore man it's just not good and it got me thinking of you know some examples of things that have been bad that that have gotten bad that i've had to just eventually abandon and the, the quintessential example that I can think of is the TV show Heroes. 
The first season of Heroes was amazing. And the second season was so bad that about halfway through, Aaron and I looked at each other and said, we we just can't do this anymore. Now, did you watch Heroes, Stephen? I did not. Uh, uh, I saw this in the document. I was like, oh, no, I can't talk about it. But the same thing happened with Mary and I with Modern Family. Oh, really? Which is, which is still on. What happened with us is we watched the first, I don't know, three, four seasons, however many there are. And we kind of realized halfway through the last season, it's like, okay, they basically have three episode templates and just kind of rotate <laughs> through them. And... um which is true of a lot of sitcoms, right? Like people said that about Seinfeld. People said that about How I Met Your Mother, like lots of things. Uh, and so we were like, you know what? Like the half hour we spend a week watching this after the kids go to bed is not enjoyable. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so we kind of gave up on it. Yeah, I totally hear that. And it's funny you bring up How I Met Your Mother because that's another great example. Aaron and I came to How I Met Your Mother late, actually came to Heroes late as well. And um, we caught up really quickly, loved the show. And the very last season, no spoilers, but the very last season I thought was awful. The first episode or two were good if memory serves. Then it was like 10 or 12 or 15 episodes of crap. And then the last episode was okay. And in retrospect, I kind of wish we had quit the show once the last season took a turn for the worse. And the other thing that made me, that made me giggle a little bit inside was when you brought up a formulaic show like uh, Modern Family. Now, I've not seen from Modern Family, but House is like the House MD, the TV show is like the quintessential formulaic right. show. It's, but I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that show. And it's funny because I accidentally quit that show. And what I mean by that is I like didn't ca- I wasn't keeping up with the very last season and missed a couple of episodes and then just kind of never went back to watch them. So I still don't know how the entire series ended. I should probably go watch this. It's on, it's on Netflix. Yeah. The ending is, uh, I think it's really good. Oh, see now, now I'm definitely encouraged to go watch it, but I, I loved house. And just like you said, I mean, it's, it, it was the same thing over and over, but I loved it. And I don't know why, like why I enjoy house so much, which was the same thing. And yeah. yet I couldn't watch some of these other shows. I don't know. It's just interesting. I, I loved it. Cause dude, uh, sort of a jerk mm-hmm. and everybody wants to be sort of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was sports teams. And so I put in the, sh- in the show notes, the Grizzlies, not because I actually know if they're good or not, but because I knew it would get you all riled up and it did. Yeah. They but, were really bad for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But uh, before I'll, before I give you a chance to talk about the Grizzlies, I'll use an example that's dear to my heart or two examples, actually. Um, as a alumni of the, of, um, Virginia Tech, the Hokie football team, when I was there, I was there from 2002 through 2004, um, the Hokie football team was amazing then. In 99, we went to the national championship and lost to Florida State. And we were really good. This was when Michael Vick was there. We were really good for a year or two after that. And then ever since I've graduated, it's just been a downhill slog ever since. And I haven't given up on the Hokies, but I certainly don't define my fall weekends around them like I used to. And part of that is because Aaron is actually an alumni of the University of Virginia, our big rivals. And because UVA is only an hour west of us, like I said earlier, and uh, Virginia Tech is a solid like four hour drive, we've actually held uh, UVA football tickets, season tickets for the last three years, two years, something like that. And so because of that, we typically go to the UVA football games and and oftentimes they cross with the Hokie games. But Speaking of terrible football teams, I tell you what, I mean, I cheer for the Wahoos as loud as anyone else when I'm there, but God, are they terrible? And they've been terrible for <laughs> years. In fact, 
they haven't won UVA and tech play every single November, usually the Saturday after Thanksgiving and UVA has not beaten tech since Aaron and I have known each other. And it's been 10 years. That's how bad they are, but that's, we still that's go. Rough. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. I mean, God help us when they finally win. Cause I don't know how I'm going to handle it, but either way, um, I, we haven't given up on those teams, but that's a little bit different because, you know, we went to these schools. Now the Grizzlies are probably a little bit different because you grew up there. So how are the Grizzlies these days? And I'm honestly asking you. No, they're good. Uh, good, good. Do, doing they, that little slump early this month, but uh, you know, they, they're going to be in the playoffs. They clinched that spot, but when they moved from Vancouver, uh, they were really bad. And, and similarly to your college story, my University of Memphis, uh, where I went to school, was really good. Uh, was a great basketball school, and football was terrible. And they they've had a couple of good football years uh, recently. So I can definitely understand that like l- that like long term like long term burn of just like my team is terrible and um, no one goes to the games and uh, you know you wear that shirt out and people are gonna like uh, wonder if you're crazy. Um, but there's always you know, anytime I think about this, think about TV, I think about sports, think about whatever a book uh, i've walked out of a movie before like uh there's always sort of that like sentimental attachment of like i do kind of wonder what's happening on modern family or you know what i graduated here this this school is part of my identity and so i kind of have to root for them even though i know it's <laughs> it's it's going to be bad because I, I don't want to root for the other guys right because right. you know um so there's definitely some of that for me at least of like you know what this this means something to me bigger than just the entertainment it provides um you know, maybe not so much with with TV, but definitely with sports or you yeah. know, the hometown team of like, you know, like I've got hometown pride, you know, I'm proud to be from Memphis. I think there's a lot of good things going on. And I think the Grizzlies are part of that. So even if they don't make the playoffs next year, still going to go to some games, still support them and, and still be kind of part of the part of the culture that, that they've created. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up that relates to this is um, I actually kind of came to the Mac because of this. So I kind of rage quit windows. I don't know, somewhere around 2004, 2005, something like that. And I started running Ubuntu full time on the ThinkPad that I had at that time. And I vividly remember I was doing a upgrade between uh, major releases. And I don't remember specifically what release, but I want to say it was gutsy given to Hardy Heron and which is such an odd thing to say. But anyway, um, everything just crapped the bit, just just crapped itself and my entire computer just went awry. And at this time I was getting a lot of crap from Marco Armand, from a lot of local friends, you know, you should just get a darn Mac. And at that point I was like, you know what? Screw windows, screw Ubuntu. I'm getting a Mac. And, (laughs) and that's actually how I wound up on the Mac. And that was in 2008. And so it was because I rage quit pretty much any of my other options that I ended up on the Mac in the first place. Now, obviously, yeah. I haven't looked back. You could have run BOS if you, you know, found <laughs> yeah, a B-Box. That's um, true. That's really funny. And, you know, sometimes those decisions push you towards other things, right? Like, you, you give up a TV show and you, you find something new or, uh, man, 2008. So, we're going to talk about me being a hipster in a second, but you're so young to the I, Mac. I know, it's true. I still it's love true. you, but uh, I love you maybe too, but... look upon you as a child. Yeah, it, I hear you. Well, let, let's talk about that. But before we do, let's let's run through our last sponsor for this week. Our third and final sponsor for Analog this week is Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. 
Wealthfront software manages your money using investment strategies that were previously only available to the wealthiest of investors, but for just one quarter the cost of using a traditional advisor. Wealthfront monitors your account 24-7, automatically rebalancing your portfolio, reinvesting dividends, and working to maximize your after-tax returns. Wealthfront is also overseen by a team of investment experts, the same experts who launched the index fund revolution and who have written some of the most important books in finance. In case you're still not convinced, you should know that Wealthfront manages over $2 billion in client assets and has saved you millions of dollars on taxes for its clients. So with Wealthfront watching over your investments every day, what will you do with all your extra time? Go visit Wealthfront.com forward slash analog, A-N-A-L-O-G, to get your first $10,000 managed for free. Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risk, and there may be possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. All right. So we were talking earlier about how you're an old man when it comes to Apple stuff. And I actually put in the show notes because I thought it would be fun to talk about. Um, the topic I listed in the show notes is Stephen is an Apple hipster. And so the prompting question that I will ask you is, does it bother you that I came to the Mac in 2008? No, honestly, no, it doesn't. Um, the, the way I, the way I see it is, uh, you know, really whenever you have come to the family, uh, you know, <laughs> once you're, once you're in our warm, warm embrace, no, it, it doesn't. Um, you know, I think that there are, are people who, who would maybe think that, but I, I certainly don't again, because I think everyone brings their own voice to it. The fact that you came through uh, Linux on your way to the Mac gives you a perspective on the Mac that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, the fact that you had a ThinkPad, which is what I would definitely own if I ran Windows, gives you a sort of a different eye towards Mac hardware, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if Apple did a, a touch point? They won't ever do it, but, you know, maybe one day. Oh, I miss my track points so much. Oh, my goodness. so good. I'm going to buy a ThinkPad now. Um, <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I actually did buy a ThinkPad like two years ago because uh, I needed to run Windows at work for like one particular thing and use it as an excuse to buy a ThinkPad and then quit that job. <laughs> but uh don't have a ThinkPad anymore. Uh, but no, it doesn't. But yeah, I, I probably am uh, an Apple hipster. I have a dog cow tattoo. So that probably puts me in an, an elite class of... Uh, of nerds. Did you get that when you were working for Apple or before or after? Uh, during. I got it. Um, I got it while I was there, towards the tail end of my uh, of my time. But that's 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 awesome. I I have this vision now of like all of the geniuses going in a pack to a local tattoo parlor in order to get like various Apple branded tattoos. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, my tattoo has made the rounds. So there's like a Cult of Mac article of like. Uh, weird apple tattoos, <laughs> uh, and I'm definitely uh, the dog cows in there about halfway down. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I came to the Mac in in high school in um, you know 2000 2001. Oh, uh, I've, I've written about it. I'll drop a link in the notes. Um, you know, running running Mac OS nine and then transitioned to OS ten and you know, owned a Mac in high school, a personal Mac, and, and have never really run anything else uh, past that, even though I grew up with Windows, uh, was never a heavy, heavy Windows user. But, you know, I, th- I think people who would point and say, you know, hey, you're new, you know, 
Mike and I have talked about this before. Mike came to the Mac in 2006 with the first Intel iMac. Um, and, you know, I think he feels that way sometimes of, hey, you know, he's been in it nine years and that's not really a long time compared to some people. But I think that sort of line line of thinking, if someone really thinks that seriously, is is sort of sort of silly. Yeah. And it, it, what I wanted to kind of segue this conversation into is, do you feel, and not just you specifically, but do you feel badly when, you know, like this one secret thing that you've evangelized isn't really a secret anymore. And that is coincidentally in part because of your evangelization, you know, <laughs> right. like, you know, like when you finally get all your friends really into Firefly, just as an example, you know, and now it's like, you're not special and unique because you know about Firefly and nobody else does in a way that's almost a little depressing for me. Anyhow, I'll pick on myself, you know, because it is neat to kind of know something that no one else knows. And guys, let me tell you about this amazing TV show. You have to watch it. It's called Firefly. And it's kind of like a space Western. Yeah, I know that sounds really stupid, but trust me, it's awesome. And you should try it. Oh my God. And then all of a sudden all your friends love it. And you're like, well, hmm, now I'm not special anymore. And right. like, do you get that feeling too? I do about, about Apple in particular. Um, not that I'm, you know, someone like 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 Syracuse or, or one of those guys who, you know, ran a, a Mac SE thirty. I own a couple, <laughs> uh, but I don't. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up on the Mac like that. Um, but I did come to the Mac. You know, Jobs was back in action, and OS ten was kind of be kind of a thing. And um, but even then, it was still really small, right? Like like when I think about Apple, part of my brain goes to like the guy with the ponytail and like the the earring and the rainbow uh, Apple logo, you know, st- stuck on his PowerBook G3. And and Apple has lost some of its personality, uh, both as a whatever we are, like the, the audience of Apple. But I think the company as well is sort of this gleaming white wall of corporation that it used to not be. Um, but yeah, that's definitely true with, with Apple. It's true with media, right? Like, you, you know, um, hey, uh, you know, I checked out this band or whatever. And then, you know, your friend kind of goes crazy and goes to a concert and buys a t-shirt and you're like, <laughs> cool. Like, it's especially weird, right? When you set someone in that direction and they go way further into yeah. it than you were. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, hey, man, like, I, I, you know, whatever. Like, I bought this camera and they go out and buy, you know, multiple cameras and multiple lenses. You're like, cool, you maybe overreacted. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's totally a weird thing, that. but, you know. The evangelism part of it is fun, right? Because it's like, hey, I get to introduce people in my life to this thing that I care about. Um, do, do you feel ever feel that way about like what you do online, like podcasting or blogging? Like, you know, getting someone like I'm sure you get asked, right? Like in real life, like, well, what is a podcast? Like, I get that all the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. my parents, you know, I told my parents, like, hey, you know, I'm going. They knew who Mike was vaguely. And I was like, hey, I'm going in, into a business with Mike. We're putting our own money into it. We're starting this business up. We're gonna have a podcast network, and they sort of like just blinked at me. You know? <laughs> uh, I can't explain. It's like, uh, talk radio for the internet. Like, Oh, great. That's fine. Please don't lose. Please don't lose your house. Like, right. 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 No, not quitting my job, you know, side, side stuff. Right. Um, it's, it's a weird thing though to introduce somebody to something for sure. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I, I, I don't think I evangelize podcasts that much and, and certainly I'll talk to people about it either when asked or when it's pertinent to the conversation. But I'm way more likely to evangelize um, g- something else like media or something like that. And so let me let me ask you and, and I'll start by answering myself. You know what? If you had one thing that you would evangelize, this is your you know, this is your moment to evangelize anything you can think of or maybe now or maybe forevermore. What would it be? And for me, I think I want everyone in the world to adore the band Mute Math as much as I do. And I've talked about that occasionally on this show, but 
they're amazing. You should check them out. Um, they're especially if you have the opportunity to see them live. They're the best live show I think I've ever seen. So check out Mute Math, all one word. Um, really great band. What would you say if you had to evangelize just one thing? Uh, <laughs> it's a hard question, right? Uh, I agree with you that Mute Math puts on a fun show, even though my wife's a bigger fan of theirs than I am. Um, I have no idea, Casey. You've put me on the spot, and I've come not up. Death Cab. The the new Death Cab album's pretty good, but I feel like that question has more gravitas than just like sure. I you meant know. it. I meant it not to be your one and only choice okay. forevermore. Just... So not like serious life changing stuff. No, no, uh, no, no. Shoot, I don't know. Uh, we'll go with the new Death Cab album for today. I've been listening to it on repeat. And it's good. Yeah, I definitely put you on the spot there. You did, but that's what the show is kind of about, right? Yep, exactly. You push people till they break, and then they just cry on the show for a while. That's pretty much what happens. All right, so <laughs> um, let, let's talk about collecting things. We've made passing reference to. Um, to this earlier in the show, but, but do you keep things, Steven, do you have any collections at home that you'd like to share with the audience? <laughs> I, I am, uh, very sentimental when it comes to things. Um, we have boxes of stuff from when we were dating, you know, no, not only like letters to each other, but like just little things, you know, that ticket that stubs I, I, that I, yeah, that I kept from a date or, uh, in fact, to this day in my car is a, Super Grover Christmas ornament that Mary gave me uh, for our first Christmas. And, you know, we had kind of joked that, like, what's your favorite Muppet or whatever? And I said Grover. And she gave that to me as a, as a present. And that has been in every, I mean, I've owned a lot of cars. Every subsequent car I've ever owned, it's always hung from the rearview mirror. That's adorable. He's faded. Like, he, he's blue still, but, like, his cape is completely, you know, red fades really easily, like, completely white. Yeah. And, like, he, he's, like, he's holding a candy cane because he's a Christmas ornament, which is confusing. <laughs> uh, but because it doesn't look like a candy cane anymore, it's just, like, a white cane. Um, so, yeah, definitely, like, sentimental stuff. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I know what you're getting at of a relatively large Apple collection that I, that I have acquired. But, um but yeah, I, I have a tendency to, to have memories tied to things, uh, maybe more so than anything. Definitely places as well, but, you know, just, just little things, you know, a shirt a shirt, or, uh, like you said, a movie stub or something. Just a, a little token to take you back, take you back in time. Yeah, I completely agree. I have... Um... I have an Aaron box, as I call it, which is um, basically all like little trinkets and whatnots from different dates we've been on or trips we've gone on or things of that nature. I have some receipts from various things. Um, I, w- I was super obsessive of about keeping um, like all the paraphernalia associated with us getting married, about uh, with us getting uh, engaged. So I have like receipts from buying the engagement ring, which, yeah, like that sounds reasonable to just keep that in general, but I kept it not necessarily because it's a receipt for something expensive, but because it's something that it's a memory, just like you said, Stephen, it's, it's a memory in a tangible item. Um, and so I completely agree with you on that one, but, but let's talk about that Mac collection, shall we? (laughs) Okay. Where do you keep, where do you keep the Macs? Uh, it depends on their, (laughs) how many rooms, how many rooms is the muse, does the museum take up? It's in a lot of places in the house. So the valuable like valuable stuff or stuff that still runs is in the house somewhere. Usually um in the closets. So our house was built in the 50s. We have this house has great closets. And part of the is that there's the normal closet, then there's like cubbies with doors up above the closet that are separate storage areas uh that my wife can't reach and obviously the, the kids <laughs> can't reach. And so I've just like commandeered a lot of those. So like in my daughter's room, which is actually now the nursery, 
there's an Apple IIc and an original Mac uh, in a carrying case and a couple other, you know, sort of more uh, valuable uh, items. Uh, I do have some that live in the attic, which is, before you tell me it's terrible for the computer, I know most of those don't run. Um, Or if they they do run, they're sort of dime a dozen, and I have them for other reasons. So, um, you know, I I picked up a titanium power, but because that was the first computer that I actually owned, you know, that's in a closet. Uh, It actually boots and runs, and I I use it from time to time for for old time's sake, but... You know, other, like, I have a Mac Mini G4 that someone gave me that I thought, like, the Mac Mini is a really interesting computer. It doesn't run. It needs a logic board. Being in the attic is not going to hurt it. So it's in a it's in a box in the attic. But my wife definitely wishes that there were fewer of them. Um, but, you know, what can you do? Right. Now, do you ever use any of these? Really? Like, you mentioned the, the, the titanium, what is it called? Titanium power book. I'm not trying to yes. troll you. I'm, I just want to get it right. I don't want to call it a tie book or anything like that. Um, hi. <laughs> do you ever pull any of these out that are just like sitting in random nooks and crannies or not really? Uh, yeah. I mean, so, you know, I, I write a lot about like Apple history stuff, uh, on the site. So, uh, I have, for instance, uh, an iMac and a power Mac G3, and those things can run anywhere from like Mac OS 8.5, 8.6 to like 10.2 or 10.3. And so those systems are really helpful. Like, Hey, I want to write up a thing on, uh, you know, uh, Mac OS 10.0. Well, I can run that on this machine. I can take screenshots and I can experience it and I can take notes and, you know, um, and sometimes I'll, you know, I'll use something just to, it's a rainy weekend and need something to do. And like, Hey, let's, let's get the Mac SE 30 out and fire it up. And why not? Uh, why not? So, um, they're definitely not daily drivers, right? Uh, in my view, it's kind of like o- owning an old car that's like not in great shape, right? Like may- it's not a daily driver, but it's fun to like tool around with on the weekend. Totally. Now, could you purge? Well, let me, let me actually, let me back up. Do you ever purge? Uh, I have. Uh, I, I purged a good bit when we moved into the house. I had some stuff that I was, uh, was kind of scattered. Um, and uh, yeah, occasionally I'll get rid of something. Um you know, I've I've got some machines that I've sort of just been given that I don't. Uh, there's not that sentimental attachment to, or it's not important historically. And, and occasionally, I'll just go through and and recycle some things, um, but not very often. I mean, I can think of probably you know on one hand the the, the times that I've that I've done that, and, and when I have, it's only with the, the the computer stuff. It's not with, you know, Mary and I are going through like our date box stuff and like shredding things. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, why do you keep the ones that don't run? A lot of the ones that don't run are like, um, are sort of the sentimental ones, you know, either machines that I have had in the past, like, uh, uh, or, or they're important historically. Um, so for instance, my Apple two C, uh, doesn't run. Um, it's got some power issue that I tried chasing down and gave up on. Um, that's not, that's not necessarily a super important machine. Historically, there are some things that were unique about it, that it was kind of the first one that you could really travel with really easily had a handle and the display was separate. And, um, but I love the way it looks like, I love that the design language, it was part of the snow, snow white design language. I love the way it looks. I love the, just the, the playfulness in the hardware. And so it's, you know, for me, it's a, it's a neat machine. So I keep it. Is it worth much? No, you can pick them up on eBay pretty cheap. Is it something that I owned as a kid? Well, no, I you know I really sort of miss the Apple II era, but uh, it's sort of important to me because of what it is. So 
it lives in the closet. Fair enough. I put in the show notes a uh, a list of uh, of the things. Excellent. No, I, I just looked at this list, and uh, it's prodigious for sure. It, there's quite a lot here. You like how it was all uh, categorized? I didn't do that for you. It was already categorized. Oh, I had a feeling, <laughs> and I am not at all surprised. Uh, no, this is this is pretty impressive. Now, what would cause you to unload all of it? Like, let's assume that Mary hasn't like put her foot down for some reason, because it, presumably at this point she's um, she's either embraced it or just come to terms. She with tolerates it. it. I right. would not say she embraces it. <laughs> but uh, but what would cause you to just say screw it? I'm I'm getting rid of all of it, or maybe all but like one or two crazy special ones. I mean, I think space would definitely be a thing if we ever had a downsize from the house. Uh, you know, clearly I would. I would need to um, get rid of some stuff, and there are definitely things on that list that I that I could uh, that I could get rid of. Um, you know, there's some things on there that I have again because someone just you know, hey, you collect these, right? Weird nephew of mine, take this home with you. <laughs> um, I think the size would definitely be a thing. You know, you you have in the list financial strife. Not much of what I own is worth much. Um, the cube is probably the G4 cube is probably worth the the most, but even then, I, I couldn't sell that and make a, a a mortgage payment. You know, like right, right. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I think the the space thing, or you know, if Mary really came to me and said, "Hey, look, you know, we have a lot of this stuff. Can you pare it down?" I would I would make an effort to do that. Absolutely. But you think you would still keep the way you talk about it? It sounds like you would keep at least more than just one or two computers. If she said, would, you know, yeah. make some room, but yeah, it would still be like five or six or 15. Probably, you know, I, I keep the cube, I keep the titanium. Uh, I'd probably keep the, you know, a couple of the G3s that are really useful and like looking at old, uh, looking at old OSs, but there's definitely some, there's definitely some, uh, some chaff in the wheat in my collection. I see what you did there. Very well done. Excellent. All right. Anything else you uh, wanted to bring up? Any other feels you'd like to discuss or are we good? Uh, well, we, 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 we didn't really talk about you much. So you, you, you have stuff from your and Aaron's relationship. Is there anything else you collect? Do you collect BMW uh. magazine? I mean, is there something like- <laughs> uh, no, there's not a lot that I collect that I can think of. Uh, I do have most of our old Apple devices, not all of them, but most of them, honestly, I'm not even really sure why. Um, I think a little bit of nostalgia for sure, but a little bit because I didn't really try Gazelle until recently. And so <laughs> I didn't really know what to do with them. And, and a lot of them were, you know, we we were, if not are, on a two-year cycle for phones. And so two-year-old phones, it's not, they're not really in high demand. And right. sure, I could sell them to somebody, but eh, whatever, it's not really yeah. worth it. And I don't really want to do like the the ebay thing because it's just hassle that it's not really worth definitely is and so my when i went when i did an off-year upgrade from 5s to 6 i um i gazelled my 5s and and i and i feel good about that i don't think that that was a bad choice but in terms of things that i have a lot of i can't think of anything that i would say i collect there have certainly been times in my life that i've collected things i collected comics for a very brief window of time when i was young um, I was an avid Magic the Gathering player for like two years when I was fairly young. Uh, I came into it around the time that Legends was new and left just a couple of expansion packs later. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I've collected in the past. I, I certainly like music a lot, although that kind of stopped when Spotify became a thing. Um, right. I, I, at last I heard, you're still pretty devout in owning music. Is that correct? I, I The Death Cab record we referenced earlier, I pre-ordered on iTunes. Mm-hmm. 
and, and honestly, a lot of that is that I don't really care for many of the streaming services. You know, maybe an Apple Beats collaboration would be better to use. Um, but I'm not going out and buying CDs and ripping them and putting them in a. Remember, like the CD racks we all used to have, oh, right? Yeah. Like I promise you, there's a there's a picture of like you and Aaron in like your first apartment, and in the corner there's a CD rack of like 250 discs. Everyone everyone has that picture. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Surely do. Yeah, I mean, I think I think my like not wanting to purge definitely scales into like digital stuff too. Like I have a NAS that's full of stuff I will never look at again, but I know that it's there. That's an excellent point. My my collecting has been all digital and not analog. I guess <laughs> ding. Ah. Uh, but I am I am hugely devout in having multiple backups of all my pictures. I have MP3s that I uh, <clears throat> acquired <clears throat> when I was in high school. Uh, I have all sorts of miscellaneous stuff. Like I have stuff from college that I'll never look at again, but yet I can't bring myself to delete. And and I have a um, I have a Synology that that the company was nice enough to give the, the, the that Synology themselves were nice enough to give to me and and the and my co-host on ATP, and and that thing is somewhere around twenty terabytes and. It's filling up quicker than I ever would have expected. I yeah, got to tell that, you. That happens with the Synology. <laughs> yeah, because you think to yourself, oh, I have infinite space. Why not fill it? Why not rip all of my Blu-rays at, you know, 1080? And next thing you know, it, it starts to fill up. I mean, I still got tons of space. I think I have easily 15 terabytes left, if not more than that. I think I might even have 20 terabytes left. But nevertheless, it's filling a lot quicker than I ever would have imagined. So that's an excellent point that you bring up that maybe my my pack rat my pack rat tendencies are less in the analog space and in meat space and more in digital space. Now that's a really good call. Yeah. I mean, it's in some ways there's less, um, you know, not less fewer, there are fewer ramifications to it, right? Like I I can collect old Apple service manuals, which I have a lot of, um, (laughs) but they're just on, on the Synology, right? They're not like printed, taking up, bookshelf room so you know right, it's, it's right. kind of easier not to hide it like that's not what i mean but it's sort of easier just to do more and kind of have it tucked away because it, it's it's just it's just ones and zeros like bits take up less space than plastic so yeah totally it's funny because i have the um shop manual for my subaru that i had before i got my current car i don't why do i hold on to it i have no i like genuinely i have no idea why i hold on to it other than like you said Bits take up less space than plastic. Why not? Right. Well, you know, one day you're going to be in the parking lot. Someone's going to help with their Subaru. And you're like, hey, I have this on Dropbox. I can it's, I can handle this. It's this wire, he said, not knowing much about cars. Right. <laughs> exactly. The Q, Q Joe Steele's, uh, uh, what, what was his um, thing? The uh, podcast screenplays? Yes. Uh, yeah. You read. You should read that. Well, if I remember, we'll link the ATP podcast. Terrible podcast screenplays, I believe, what he called it. Uh, if I remember, I'll link that in the show notes. And yes, it could be for that very reason that I keep these these shop manuals. I like it. All right. I think we're good. I feel good. I felt really good. All right, screw Mike. We're not. Well, I'm not inviting him back. You're hired. Done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, Mike. Where can we find you on the internet, Stephen Hackett? Uh, you can find me. On Twitter at ISMH, I write 512pixels.net, and you can find me on the Connected Podcast right here on Relay FM. Excellent. You can find me on Twitter at C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. That's Casey Liss. You can find my writing at CaseyLiss.com, and uh, you can also check out the Accidental Pod- Tech Podcast, the Accidental Podcast Tech, the Accidental Tech Podcast at ATP.FM. 
And we should also thank our three sponsors once again, Stephen. We should. And those are OnePassword, Hover, and Wealthfront. Thank you very much to them. Excellent. Thanks, Stephen. I'll see you later.